Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers. All right, Simon Arnold, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing about well, about yourself, what you are doing for the ADHD community of the world and the and educating and empowering and really supporting those type of um, brains, neurodiverse brains, and for sharing about your book that you wrote, because I, I want to talk about your book. As I just mentioned, you have an amazing angle into educating and empowering about ADHD. And I also want to talk about the educational side of being a student with ADHD and getting back into the that life where we're in summer still. You're probably in summer where you're located. So I would love to focus on that as well. And I think you have a lot to share with my listeners. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> can you share a little about yourself and all of that so that we can, um, my listeners can hear the authentic you? Yeah, of course. So I'm Simon Arnold and I guess I'm better known as the 13 hour life coach, really. I was diagnosed with ADHD in, 2000, in December, 2019. And I started writing some success strategies because after my diagnosis, I had no one to go to. Hmm. Um, I tried to go to a, a, a therapist and he sat there with his book on ADHD to compare to what I was saying was right with his book. Oh. And um, I was registering, registering my children with their new doctors in southern Germany. And the doctor came over to me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing success strategies for adults with ADHD. And she said, that's fantastic. You should write a book. I'd be the first one to buy a copy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, the book would be in English. And she said, it doesn't matter. I've just got really boring books and most of them are outdated here. And I just want to know what ADHD is really like. And I was registering then with, with dentists and and two more doctors in the same week said i want a book as well so that's where it all started really wow how cool i love that that somebody needed it as a resource they were it was proof that this needs to be out there that's wonderful yeah definitely and so i spent the next year and a half so two hours every morning from four o'clock to six o'clock in the morning roughly or a little bit six o'clock to eight o'clock writing yeah 740 hours in total so it is re a really comprehensive book yeah and and so the book okay as i, I talked about this angle i love it because you have big mo okay. and i want you to explain all of that so people understand who big mo is and what what that means and why 13 hours i don't think i know for me i just read the cover and i was like oh wait that's not even half a day so what is 13 hours and you you do a beautiful job sharing that so if you can explain that and then maybe the chapter so we can dive into it a little bit yeah, my book is called The 13-Hour Life Coach because I take medication for my ADHD. And, of course, in one of your previous episodes when you spoke with Annie Bush, mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that when I try and concentrate, 
normally the blood flow from my prefrontal cortex flows away. And I have to take medication for the blood flow to go to the prefrontal cortex to allow me to concentrate. So I live in a completely different world now. I can think really for the first time, and that's that's kind of like every day it's all Christmases and all birthdays rolled into one. It's just the best thing ever. And yeah, I'm on my medication for 13 hours. I can concentrate for 13 hours, and that's really where it came from. That's wonderful. That is, that's wonderful. And you just started this as an adult. You said 2019. That was only a few years ago. Yeah, it's it's coming up to three years now, I think, slowly. Yeah, and I wrote the book. It was, it's it's been a good success, actually. And I wanted then to reach more people and started the 13-Hour Life Coach podcast. Mm-hmm. Season three is happening now, everyone, on all yeah. podcasts. I'm working, I'm editing season four and I've already got guests for season five. Wow. Great. Yay. That's just, that just means more information is getting out there for the community that needs to hear this. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you. So you are, I love that you have ADHD and writing about it. You're not a, you're not a doctor who specializes in ADHD, right? There's, there's this medical side that we all hear about and, and it's needed to know, but then there's the practical side and you are the practical side. Can you share about why you chose the chapters that you chose to focus on and each specific topic within that and how that relates to your life. And of course you have children, so you have probably seen ADHD. Maybe yours do not have ADHD, but you know about children with ADHD and maybe how those correlate to their life a little bit. And then I really want to dive into the getting back into school. And cause I know you do a topic or a section on. Yeah. yeah. I just want to start with Big Mo because you've okay. said yeah. who is, what is Big Mo and everything. <laughs> Well, imagine, you know, I I get up in the morning and I have difficulty concentrating. And Big Mo is really the 13-hour time that I have to concentrate. And Big is for uh, the bit, is Big, and Mo is for the moments that I spend with him. Ah, good. (laughs) So I know it sounds strange, but children they develop their inner voice between the ages of seven to nine and i've never had an inner voice before so i've lived my whole life with without inner voice you know we know about the kids that jump over the fences without looking over the other side see what's on the other side i was one of those kids and to come face to face with my inner voice at 42 and to actually live my life um as a whole person i find is just one of the best things ever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow so is big big mo is your inner voice as well then is that your yeah, big... hours of your inner voice coming alive yeah and i know it sounds strange but it's yeah. amazing <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't i it's i mean it does sound unique but it's not strange because you're making it real right you could just say oh i've got this you know for those of us who have that it, it it's just what we experience and we know but you made it real for you and now it is part of your life your daily life but you have to bring Big Mo to your daily life. Yeah, I mean, of course, with the with the blood flow to where it should be in the brain, you know, Big Mo is really a lot of intuition, mm-hmm. you know, um, reading a certain situation. If I've got a question, then I'll be like, well, what do you think I should do here? And it's kind of like just getting my mind going a little bit to try and just get some answers when I'm not thinking about it, really. And it's, it's a lovely feeling, really. 
I wanted to, uh, can I go through the chapters a little bit? Please do, please do, yes. All right, so chapter one is, is the life coach, how Mo basically came around. And the first paragraph is, this morning I woke up as Simon, and within one hour some other guy just turns up, orders my life for 13 hours, and disappears in the night. That's so good. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And... Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to do with, with ADHD. Our outside world is is very, very loud. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just find that Mo takes it all away, to be honest, and, and it just leaves me with kind of peace and serenity to live my proper life, really. <laughs> yeah. Chapter two is Big Mo. We go into a little bit about that, really. I didn't want to name him the voice. I couldn't say, hello, the voice. I, I had to call him something. So that's that one. Chapter three is a new working memory. Of course, if you don't have the gift of thinking, and then you do, there is no one you can turn to to ask about it. It's like, hey, I've got a new memory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can do this and do this. There's no one to talk to you about that. Yeah. Right. Okay, and in the yeah. book, it, it goes into it. I go into it. Chapter four is is the hut. I live in uh, southern Germany, so there are a lot. I'm, I live at the top of a mountain, so there's lots of huts and walking things, and we just developed kind of our little relationship there a bit more. A different spin on change is chapter five, but I think what we what you really wanted me to discuss today was chapter eight, understanding the basics of a class based learning environment and learning with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Yeah, I would. I would like to discuss that, and I. I would wonder how that is prior to having been diagnosed medication, and how learning. Now you're not sitting in the traditional classroom anymore. You're always learning. This is the world, and we should always be learning. And how that has shifted as an adult who is now has the ability probably to do so much more than you did as a child or you know young college age. Yeah, I mean. Certainly in the book, I, I, I think it's such a shame that, you know, if children go to occupational therapy and they have the balls and they have the pencils that are funny shaped or, or they're easier to hold, then this doesn't transfer into the classroom. You can't go into a classroom and see the balls there and the pencils and the things that really help us, the vibrant colours that we need to learn as well. It's really what I've noticed recently, but in the book, I, I start really with, with whispering in the classroom for, for one simple fact is the fact that we are, you know, whispering is loud and disruptive. And instead of concentrating on the teacher, we actually tend to concentrate on what other people are saying. Hmm. So if a student behind a child is whispering, that has now pulled their focus that way versus towards the teacher. That will always pull their focus away from the teacher. Yeah. And so is it a heightened sound almost like that it is the teacher has become a white noise and that whisper has become prominent in their mind? Yeah, I mean, we just because it's on a like a different frequency mm-hmm. uh, with it's on a different sound level. We try and actually try and follow this strange whispering sound and try and make sense of it. And then we won't listen to the teacher at all. It's really important to actually sit as close to the teacher as possible, so at the front of the class, okay. so you don't have anyone, any heads that you have to look past. 
and then you have more chance of looking at the board and seeing everything that's displayed. Right, right. Can you share other things about that distraction or is there more in your chapter about that this type of distraction? Because I feel like the classroom is probably full of so many distractions for somebody with ADHD. Yeah, I mean, you know, sound is a, is, is a big, big thing. Remember, I wrote in, in chapter one that just the birds outside unmedicated are so loud people say they can't hear themselves think and i couldn't you know and therefore that is kind of a, a a sense of whispering as well you're trying to focus on on some kind of noise going on so that is from outside it it comes in to us with adhd wow okay like the heating that's on right 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 yeah and but the medication has helped dull that sound and i'm trying to figure out how does that work now once you're on medication is it almost that that sound does become quieter to what the other people feel like they're hearing or is it almost that you can just remove your focus from that and change to something else but it's still quite loud okay so medicated i went back i went back to medical school uh, when i was 40. i left medical school because i was in the process for for diagnosis okay and when you are medicated as an adult, the whispering is still quite annoying, I would agree. But you can really actually, for the very first time, follow a sentence or follow a paragraph that someone is saying. I say a lot of the times that when I listen to Madonna on the radio, I, actually, I can actually listen to all the words she's been, she says in a row rather than listening to the first one the fourth word and the fifth word because that's all my that's all i ever knew interesting okay that's making me just think of having a conversation or um, maybe asking a question it, it might seem like the child was not paying attention but they're raising their hand to ask a question because they only heard every fifth word or every second word and they're not it's not all tying together which then probably yeah. piles down a path that, well, you didn't listen. You don't know, you know, this just self-doubt that comes towards them. I'd like to really bring in a really unique situation, yeah. actually, that probably kind of, I think it's going to kind of blow your mind a little bit. It's just, I don't, I've never heard it ever before. So it's, and I've written it in the book, it's basically, I would be asking a question that would be relevant 10 minutes prior. So children in the classroom with ADHD that aren't diagnosed and don't take medication, for example, mm -hmm. or just have ADHD, yeah? <laughs> you know, you say you're talking about mammals in the classroom or, or something. I would, I would have half an answer to what is given, but it's not complete. It's really not complete, like I said, with the words, the first word, the third word, the fifth word, mm -hmm. right? And if you're motivated, you want to tie in. So 10 minutes later, right. so if you hear elephant, kangaroo, two more animals, and then dolphin, if I was a child, 10 minutes later, I would say, I think that has something to do with the elephant, kangaroo, dolphin and then I wait for people or classmates to fill in the rest and that's how I would get my information wow. 
in total form without anyone realizing that I was having a problem with the learning. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you can almost mask in a sense that you're having trouble learning or bringing in the information. I mean, you're learning, you could be smart as a whip, right? This has nothing to do with brains and intelligence, but you can walk around and mask how much you actually are absorbing into your brain or processing through it. Wow. Okay. That's, and that's in your book. I love that. I love that detail as a parent. I love that detail because I want to understand how my child interprets the world or hears the instructions coming. And I, I know that the sounds are definitely a big thing for her. We, we all say that when we give her instructions, we cannot have anything else happening in our house. She interprets it when it's quiet and that's it. But I've never heard, you know, you kind of grab every couple of words. And so you have to piece together what's really being told to you. And I love learning that. So valuable. So what would you say yeah. then are some amazing, or not amazing, but some great, I'm, I, this is all amazing. You just blew my mind. So <laughs> that's why I say amazing because as a parent, I'm like, oh, this is such good information. What would you say to the parent then who's real, whose child is about to go back into school, who maybe isn't diagnosed or is, but who's not medicated yet? They haven't reached that step of this for their child. And it's not to say that they won't at some point, but right now school's starting and they're not medicated. Do you have ideas or tips or words or ways they should speak with the teachers or even their own child? Yeah. Well, well let's start. You know, the, we, the kids know they're going back to school. Mm -hmm. They could be in a new classroom. Mm -hmm. So it's like when we, when we fly abroad and we stay in a hotel, the sounds are different. The room is different. We have to actually get used to the environment. And we know what it's like. The first night, you don't sleep very well because you hear different things. Right. And in a classroom environment, there's very much, I think it takes a bit longer for people with ADHD just to settle, just to see where they are, just to just feel the air. Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it, you know what I mean? The, take in the environment a little bit. What I find really, really good, and I've been doing this now for four weeks, is that I bought, so I bought uh, barefoot shoes, which, which are on the market these days. So I can actually feel the floor. So I can actually have the connection with the floor at all times. And that grounds me, that actually physically grounds me. There's no big rubber between my feet and the floor. Yes. We have to remember that the classroom is a competitive place. Mm -hmm. You know, we should never really forget that. When I was, when I was 40, there were, I couldn't construct my answers properly. And 25 year olds were saying, I think Simon was meant to say that. And that's really, really bad. Of course, it's very much, it's embarrassing even as an adult. And the book is from an adult's perspective, but of course it's translate, you can translate it into kids as well. Cause it's all very similar. We've got the same thing, right? right. <laughs> I, I did really want to pick up with the fact and I, I, did this is is the best the, the most listened to podcast i've done is the very first episode on blackouts okay. um so if you have a, a test coming up funny enough the german version is more successful than the english version but never mind because i can do my podcast in two languages <laughs> i believed when i wrote the book that it wasn't possible to have blackouts okay and I think with Annie Bush and the blood flow here, I actually, we kind of actually came round to the same thing in a way. 
because I don't think our kids retain the information. Like I said, we'd learn it in bits. Mm -hmm. And then when an exam comes up, we actually cannot mm -hmm. repeat that information back to the teacher. Otherwise, children with ADHD, they may go back a year. They may go back two years. We can't forget that either. You know, we, we, I know I say we, but it's kind of like children and adults, we aren't very similar. Yeah. And it's a bit different when you're a kid, but if you can still try and learn from people that are younger than you, that's a really good tip. Mm, okay. I like that. And, and younger children can learn from younger children, and they also take after and try to learn from the older. They have kind of this advantage of being surrounded by it all because they're by so many ages in school. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Where I think as an adult, we just put ourselves in one group where, you know, we're 40s, we're hanging out with a lot of 40 year olds and probably little kids, but that's kind of it. And so when you're younger, you have this variety around you that you can learn from. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of emotional stuff that comes with that though. I mean, not just only taking an input and processing it and stuff, but missing every couple of words and having somebody have to tell you what, or repeat what they think you are trying to say going back a grade or um, your peers not seeing eye to eye with you, there's a lot, I would assume, a lot of emotional input that comes to a child or they interpret it one way, I should say. That's maybe not, maybe somebody isn't directly saying these words, but they're going to interpret it to them. And so I, th the thing about going to school is you're putting your child out with a whole bunch of other children. You don't necessarily know their parents, how they're raised, what they're going to say, how they're going to act. And the emotional side of that can be really intense for an adult. And we might've learned coping mechanisms that really aren't always healthy, but for a child that can be really heavy. And that's one thing about going back to school, like new school, new classroom, new teachers, any of that. I just wanted to throw a quote in actually that I use um, from, from Russell A. Barkley, who, who wrote the wonderful book called Taking Charge of Adult ADHD. And mm -hmm. um, I wrote, Dr. Russell Barkley says, you're no child, but these lags make you less effective than other adults mm -hmm. and may make your peers treat you as if you are a child. Mm. Mm. So definitely with children in the classroom, it is very much like, oh, you don't know the answer anyway. Right. And you kind of get left out. Yeah, you get pushed aside. Yeah. You're not quote unquote fitting in with everybody else or the norm at school. So how, what would you say to a parent who's about to release their child out there? Uh, you know, is it, do you have some advice for them as they drop their child off? I like the idea of getting to the classroom is so new. Is it maybe seeing if you can go early or walk with your child to orient them to the classroom? Um, are there notes that you should be handing the teacher so that they know more about your child? How do you feel like the parent can set their child up for success for all of the that's about to come? I'm going to come at this at a different angle okay. and increases the dopamine levels within the within the mind. That's what Annie Bush said, and I've tried it out recently, and actually really works. Oh, okay, so you know, and children they're like adults. You know, they're either they want to eat in the morning or they don't want to eat in the morning. You know. Some children, of course, are, are good in the morning and some are bad or and, and the other way around, really. Mm -hmm. I would 
certainly hydration is a really, really big thing. It's really underrated, but we all need to drink a lot, especially for the kids that take meds as well. Did you want to go into that bit? As, yeah, uh, please do. Please yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you've got some meds for children. I'm not a doctor, by the way. This is just yeah. this is just what I've heard. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the release for four hours and then they have a break and then you get a release for another four hours. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to eat. They, they don't want to eat anything and they don't want to drink anything either. So little snacks just in the break, just to boost those dopamine levels are, are great and to hydrate is really important, really important as well. If I was a kid going back to school. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> perfect. You know, what would I do? I'd have a really nice weighted pen so that when I write, I can actually feel that I'm connected with what I'm writing. Okay. Jan Musik, who's on my podcast as well, who actually says that um, if we write on neon paper, we can actually remember a lot more with ADHD. So I would have very bright things there. Yeah, actually, okay. I'll show you here. Yeah, they've actually got little dips within the okay. pencils, within the pencil. So I can actually feel that. And there is left, there's an R and, a, and an L at the top here for right and left-handed people okay. as well. And also a pencil sharpener, because if we do sharpen our pencils, then we're actually doing something with our hands and actually concentrated more on the teacher. Oh, that's so smart. Okay. Uh, I love, are these pencils, I just asked about that because it's such a unique pencil and I know that they have right and left scissors. I didn't even realize pencils have that. Are they um, are they specific to working for the brain for ADHD or is these for children who struggle to write in general? Yeah, it's it's called um, oh, what's it called in English? Oh, the <laughs> fine because I speak in German all the time. Right. Um, <laughs> it's it's the fine motor skills basically. Okay. I do it so that I can have so it makes meaning for me to mm -hmm. touch the pencil. And there's so many things on the market. We can make it so much fun these days. Okay. And I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to take our kids down to the shop and say, what looks fun? What would you like to do? Any color, any kind of pencils, let's try it out and not just buy the school pack, right, of pens and pencils and all the boring things. You right. know, make it unique. Get them involved Make it exciting because it all helps when it's a bit more, bit more fun. Right. Well, you get that dopamine fix, right? It's you're getting that. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about occupational therapy. You're given all these tools while you're in occupational therapy, and then it doesn't um, transfer over into the classroom. And I remember my child got bright colors, these green and pink and neon things to slide onto her pencils for herself. And they gave them to her in occupational therapy. And then of course, boom, went to school and they weren't on there and she, they, they, it just dissipated. And I thought, well, if she's doing that over there, shouldn't we do that across the board of her life? And it just kind of all fluttered away. But her, her attentiveness was way more at occupational therapy than it was <laughs> in the classroom. And now, now you just kind of tied it all together for me. I mean, that just makes so much sense to me. And to make it fun, she loved him. I want this color and that size. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I had a, a recent guest as well called uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Geist. 
and she actually she's got ADHD and she's got some dice that she actually rolls and I bought six dice so I've got with maybe 13 14 sides on it not a normal dice you, you throw it and it's maybe 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then you know if you've got homework then it's like throw the dice can I do the homework in eight minutes oh fun you just made it a game so fun yeah it's it's so good the dopamine lights up and then and then it's like it's not like we want to rush through it we want to do a good job but it's great and if you get dice in different colors it's kind of like well, what can we try today yeah. and for you as a as a parent you know saying why don't we try this you know that your connection with your child is actually better and 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 they may be more successful with it and they certainly won't forget what you were doing right right because that's so unique <laughs> yeah wow that's a great little tip okay i want to get some dice now fun well, then <laughs> my question would be to you as an adult do you find that you have these tools that uh, like you said we're we're the same children and adults can do almost yeah. the same things with tools we might reshape them resize them but they are do you find though that you get too distracted on now on this tool that the other stuff around you, you forget that you were supposed to also be doing this stuff. So if you were rolling the dice, do you find that, oh, I'm just going to play a dice game all of a sudden. I forgot I was even doing homework kind of tool. And now you need to retrain your brain. You know, the dice is this, like you still have to do X, Y, Z. I that make sure that... as a mom. <laughs> I know. I think it's in, I think it's important to purchase something when you need it. Okay. Um, Therefore, the, the items that you buy are more high quality. You know, I have one pencil case with one with a pen in there that I love and, and a pencil that is great and a sharpener. <laughs> okay. um, of course, you know, and maybe a wooden ruler. You know, wood, wood is always good and it's natural, right? Rather than the plastic. Yeah. You don't need too many items okay. because we get distracted from clutter right right and then it, and then it's really simple and then you don't have hundreds of pens in in your pencil case or at home right and the things last longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah right makes sense well you've mentioned a few times about grounding and i think that's so important you just talked said a wood roller i think the more natural they're not everything has to be but the more natural items the more grounded you are and having your seat be a grounding feeling. When you sit down, you're now in your desk or, I love the idea of these these uh, shoes. I, I never thought about that. That's, I, I've seen runners wear shoes like that where they're basically just running on their bare feet. And, and they said, oh, I just feel like I'm part of the earth, but I never thought of that for a child or it, even just somebody who needs to use it as a tool versus just trying to strengthen your feet or whatever they're doing for running. But my wonder would be then when you're in the classroom and you're asked to do something else that's, mm, how do I say this? That doesn't give you that opportunity to be grounded. Do you find that you as an adult have learned to ground yourself? And that's something that we as parents should be working on with our child. Like here's the situation that maybe will be happening. You need to find the ability to put yourself in there to be more grounded. Or do you think that, um, that, that's too in depth or too much for a child. I think when you get into the depths of ADHD, I think 
and I'm coming this at a completely different angle again. That's okay. Yeah. Certainly, I feel so much more connected to nature than I ever have done to people. And, you know, if I was in a classroom and I am sitting near a window, mm. uh, you know, ever since I was a small child, I always said to myself, if I can see blue sky, then I'm grounded from wherever I am. Even on a cloudy day, even if there's a little bit of blue sky, that is my grounding when my environment doesn't let me to ground myself. Mm-hmm. If that's a good, if that if that's okay as an answer. That's perfect because that's I mean you found your tool. You found what works for you in that moment in time. And I think that's one of the challenges as a parent is to help your child find those because they don't necessarily know that quite yet. They might even be doing it and not even realize, right? They can't name what they're doing or seeking. But those kind of examples are are wonderful to hear because I think we as parents then can cognitively go, okay, I've noticed my child responds better when this is happening or when they're seeing the blue sky. And now you innately will start putting your child towards the window or informing the teachers. You know, when you're setting up your room assignment, as you said earlier, the front row, <laughs> because they, yeah. they need you right in front of them. And then if there's a window, could you put them by the window side? I got another idea actually, which I've done for years. I have goal cards and they're really quite small. I make I'm, I have a goal mm-hmm. and cut it out and and basically paste it together with some glue and everything. So I want to do a TED talk. And I've got the words TED on on a on a card and I actually have it in my pocket. And if you listen to Bob Proctor, which I'm a big fan of, he says that every time where you know your card is in your pocket, if you if you touch that card, there's this kind of feeling that hey this this is exciting this is what i want to do this is brilliant you know if you no one's going to notice you know it could be it could be a little toy for kids it could be a marble it could be a squeezy ball it could be anything that they've got that they've got an innate connection with and that will always comfort them when 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 they need it Yeah. Oh, that's so smart because that's giving you this natural feeling, this dopamine feeling again, right? Like it's giving you that excitement and that passion and that joy. And, oh, and I can only imagine children in school when things are really not working well for them that day, they have to seek that even more. (laughs) They're really struggling to find that, which is then what usually gets them quote unquote in trouble, right? Because they're doing the things they're not supposed to, but having something, a little trinket, a little something that brings them that joy whether it's in their pocket or they've got it in their desk or whatever, you know, some little, that's a really great tip and a wonderful tool that's should be pretty easy for anybody to figure out with their little one because they've been spending time watching. Oh, they gravitate. Let's, let's help them with that one. I love that idea. That's really wonderful. Can I ask you a question? We were going to talk about education, but you were talking about getting on medication and there, you know, parents, uh, it's always a question. Do we, do we not at what point, do we put our child on medication? And, and it sounds like you, you're just so clear from what life was like before to what life is like now. And I'm, I would never expect a child to be able to clearly um, share that with their parents. I mean, some might, but when they're little or young, you know, their words are just what they think. It's not necessarily before and after kind of thing. Do you have any kind of uh, words of encouragement or advice or just 
tips or something for a parent who might be wondering, are the pros and the cons worth it? Or when do I know? Or I don't know. I don't I, Yeah, I don't know if I'm even asking the question correctly. I just wonder because you have <laughs> such a clear understanding of before and after. And that's a, yeah. a, a battle that parents struggle with a lot. Well, first and foremost, a, a child has to enjoy their childhood, <clears throat> right? Mm -hmm. Running kids once, aren't we? We've yeah. got to enjoy it, you know. Certainly, if if their grades are really slipping, okay. you know, nine years old, ten years old, they've got to have their childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's so important. And when you know, when it does get to the stage, or when it, you know, if the parents opt for medication for the children. And the children are quiet. Please don't forget that, like in my book, The 13-Hour Life Coach, the children are quiet because they've met their, their version of mm -hmm. Mo. They found their version of Mo. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you meet your own version of Mo and everything's quiet and you've got clarity and you've got the gift of thought, huh. then... This is this is a lot of the time what the children are actually enjoying. It's a real, the stress is gone. It's like a, taking a big deep breath. And from the outside, parents will see that their children are, are quiet and maybe think that, you know, they're different now. They are different um, from the parents' point of view. But I don't think a child can tell you what I've just said to you as from an adult's point of view. Well, yeah, that's, and that's clear on a parent's side if they know what they're going to experience and you just share that. Yeah. Okay. I think that's, I think that is what happens. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing bad about it. <laughs> right. It's, it's a relief. I don't think you realize the relief until you get to, I'm 45 now. Right. But there is kind of a relief and it, and it does help. And medications are all different. Mm -hmm. They're all different. They really are all different. I mean, I wouldn't go into the different ones, but. No, you have to figure out what's working for your child too. Yeah, just try and see if that happens. And that, yeah, and that the child, maybe just sit in front of the child and just think and, and think, and you'll know, you'll know if they're okay. Mm -hmm. And if they're quiet and okay, that's fine. That's all you need. That's all you need to know, really. <laughs> that's great. I love that if they're quiet, they're okay. Because we are so used to the other that almost if there's this uncomfortable feeling or this fear when what we, even though we, we want to support them, want the change, there is this uncomfortable, like, oh my gosh, maybe there's something wrong. But in reality, it could just be their brain calming and quieting and interpreting the world finally for them and experiencing yeah. how they need to or want to experience you know, and with the, with the different dosage as well, if it is too little, then you won't see much change. If it's too much, then you're going to get different signals. Believe me, you're going to get, I don't feel very good or I feel different than normal. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that if it's, I can only speak from myself, right? I think if you, if you get it right, there's that there's that quietness. Mm -hmm. And definitely, definitely, definitely always speak to your children and ask them how they feel. Mm 
because I know that there are some medications that don't work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll be given the warning signs from your kids um, that they're not working. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right, you do, because you know your child. So you should, you will be picking up on those and observing those. Do you think in the classroom that's something that needs to be noted as they're heading off to school and maybe that their teacher is aware that you're working on this and maybe just so it's a a support system beyond just your own self and your own four walls of your house? Well, I mean, I've got to say again that I'm not a doctor. I've just yeah, got ADHD and I've written a book, right? But, <laughs> you know, um, and do the podcasts. Like, just those things, that's it. <laughs> just those things. But, you know, I know of one medication that kids, kids take. It, it can work. Mm -hmm. But if the kids say at any point, I don't really want to go on it, you grab all the meds and you go back to the doctor and you don't let them touch that ever again. Yeah. Yeah. It's medication at the end of the day. It does an amazing thing for me and it does an amazing thing for kids and it revolutions our life and makes it a million times better than it ever could be. But we've got to be a little bit aware mm -hmm. that we've got to get it right. right. Okay. That's Communication good. always, always. Always, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, we're still, like I said, we're about to start school here in the States within a week or two weeks. And I know parents are trying to figure out how to you support your child coming off of an exciting summer, which all children, they're going to come back to school and chaos always ensues. And I feel for every teacher because it's so much to bring them back down and focus in. But I also know parents are trying to figure out how do we set my child up for success? And I think you have some tools that you just shared. I just love the idea of grounding your child. I never really thought deep grounding. I mean, maybe getting an oriented to the classroom, but actually grounding your child in that classroom and then finding the ways that they can ground themselves. And through observation, you know, you, you figured out looking at the sky or being the blue sky is just really big for you. And um, that's such a great tool for parents to even just observe your child and see what grounds them and what brings them physically here. And then mimic to the best of your ability, of course, in the classroom. And then be on board as a teacher, communication with that teacher. I mean, I think that you, you share that like it's communication is just so important and we have to remember I, that i just want to pick up pick up another thing really yeah. um i did a, a podcast by myself for 34 years i knew something was wrong or something <laughs> i've done so many podcasts now. <laughs> um i i at the age of eight i knew that something was wrong oh that's so little yeah, at the age of eight. And I would draw a picture every single day and you guys can listen to it. It's just amazing. And then a couple of years ago, I actually saw that picture in real life, like one-to-one -one that I drew. And, and you know, Mo was like, it's all good. You've, it's taken 34 years, but I'm here now. And, you know, you've got the clarity and it's all good. And I'm sorry it took so long, mm. you know, so children do know that stuff's wrong they do we know that something's wrong and we just need some help but sometimes we can't work it out right right wow you know another another tip i talk about like my morning routine and my evening routine and it's probably better if for the kids if you do an evening routine so for three years i meditate 
in the morning and in the evening. And I use guided meditation. So um, children, they can just listen to a really nice story. And I'm not talking about nursery rhymes here. I'm just talking about a really nice, nice story with no gun, right. just to right. just get their subconscious mind going before they go to bed. Um, because kids with ADHD do sleep or find it more difficult to sleep than kids without ADHD. Yeah. So getting their mindset ready for bed. Yeah. Wow. And I can only imagine in your school day will be much better if your sleep is, is better. We all work better with sleep, with true solid sleep. Like in oh. the morning, um, in the morning, if you spray orange spray around like a, an organic orange spray, spray that will actually awaken the senses with the orange and make make you more energetic to go into your day okay well those are great tips okay what what else do you have those are great little tips and those are all things parents can can do adults can do but parents can do yeah and it's fun as well you know Ooh, what's that smell <laughs> um, yeah it's kind of yeah it's fun i have a i have a bench in the in the kitchen, which is curved, like curved. Uh -huh. So that when I sit down, I can actually run my hands along the curves before my medication kicks in because my legs might wiggle around or my hands might want to move. And I have, because it's wood, I have the nature there, but also the smoothness and the, and the structure, uh, which, which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I this is what I love. These, I was going to ask you, so what kind of tools and tips do you have? No, you've got them all. You've already, <laughs> you've covered, and that's what I need as a parent. And as my, my audience is a lot of parents that want, what can we do as our day progresses? And um, you said it really well, like the, the rhythm in the morning and we are rhythmic beings. The world is a rhythmic world, right? This is, it's very much how the world moves. And so to give our children that stability in the morning and then wrapping up their day, it's a great idea. And you just gave some wonderful tips on how they can do that. I th think my, fin my final question would be, can you just share the remaining chapters of your book? Because it, it is your book feels like um, a storyline in a sense, right? It's not just we're focusing on this one area, this one subject, this one day, this one time. You kind of give this, you give an overview. And so I'd love my audience to hear the remaining chapters within your book so they get an idea of this is a fully rounded book. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, chapter nine is about socializing. Yeah. Chapter 10 is relationships. <laughs> <laughs> In chapter 11, I actually launched a meetup group for ADHD. Oh. Um, and, and just talk about how that went. And, you know, it's quite interesting. Chapter 12 is the mountainous adventure where there's four or five of us actually going on a, on a mountainous adventure and some, like, for example, touching the leaves. And then one of us says, well, isn't touching the leaves like touch? With, and touch is so important for our lives and, and what we experience so visually and touch and smells and it's just wonderful. And there's, there's one little bit, it's like my child said, why do people try to express root everything? Like if you're going up a mountain, why do you want to get to the top of the mountain at the top? Because we're at the bottom looking at the leaves and the stones and where the water comes from. And 
not distractionless per such, but we want to know and we want to, we want this connection with the earth uh, in a way. Chapter 13, how sporting environments bring out my best ideas. I would have to cycle 40 kilometers a day before I would go to work. And now that I take medication, I don't need to cycle 40 kilometers a day. So that's really nice. That's where I got my, all my ideas from when I was cycling so much. Right, right. Yeah, so when I went to work in a fitness club and, and sport and ADHD as well, how after I took medication that sport completely changed from me one day to the next, and my strengths and weaknesses changed from one day to the next. Huh. It took me two years, two years to work out what had changed huh. so, overnight overnight from one day to the next i would i would love sport and then i couldn't do it wow and you were writing so much and i was to write 740 hours you know i think i checked every chapter about edited it about 50 times just to get it right yeah. um chapter 16 is the dark side of adhd and how to deal with it. So that's meditation, putting candles on at night. I go to bed at nine o'clock every night and um, or eight to nine o'clock every night. And then I get up at four and start my day. You know, I'm the 13 hour life coach. So if my medication kicks in at five o'clock in the morning, I'm going to six in the evening. I cannot afford to stay. I cannot afford to even have a lay in. I can't lay in until 11 o'clock in the morning. And then I'm on till two o'clock in the next the next morning. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, got thirteen hours. I got only thirteen hours. Yeah. And I got to make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and chapter seventeen is is really at, at the end of the day, and that's and that's really like me just thanking Mo for being there mm -hmm. every day. When I wake, he's not there for the thirteen hours. He's there. And then he's gone. And I just wanted, to, I know this, I'm coming at another angle here. It's okay. That's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Something you've never really heard of before, but as I've got to know people with ADHD, we actually have names for our own voices. Hmm. And we actually connect with each other through our inner, inner voice before we even speak to each other. Hmm. And that is, I know a couple of people and they've got certain names for their inner voice and that's how we live. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of the most wonderful connections, not just with ourselves, but with other people that are like us. And I couldn't think of anything better, to be oh. honest, just such a wonderful life to live. <laughs> I love that. As a mother, I love hearing that because I look at my child and I know she has that in her. And I also believe that she probably tries to hide things like that because because it doesn't, as, as a young girl, it doesn't feel normal. But I love hearing that it is a wonderful thing. And it, you know, get, get ADHD people together, kids together, <laughs> adults together. You can't, you can't really get it wrong, you know. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, okay, so you're, 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 you've done amazing things. Your book shares so much. So how, I have two things for you. One is what other resources, so share about your podcast, we have your book, but there are other resources that people suggest that people 
um, tap into. And then the other is I want to know how my guests can get a hold of you and how they can reach out and be a part of what you're doing for this world. All right. I'll start with the last one first of all. Okay. So my book is, is really, it is available. The 13 hour life coach is available pretty much everywhere now. Okay. Um, but definitely on lulu.com. It's of course, it, it's a book and, and there are principles sections. So you just, if you haven't got much time, read the principles sections and just try them out really. The podcast, wow, it, it, it's crazy. I'm up to 45 episodes now. The first season is all about me and how I changed. Vulnerability at 100%. There is really nothing to, if, if you listen to my podcast, you know everything about me, like 100%. And vulnerability is a, is a sign of strength, of course, and not weakness. And it, and it just develops. It's just adults have gone for a diagnosis because of my podcast. And, okay. you know, I've always said if I change, if I can change one, if help one person, then I've done my job, really. Yeah, agree. Um, were you asking me what I'm working on or developing? Or? Well, I'll take that, too. But I, I'm, so the, you've got your book, which is in English. As well it's as in English, yeah. Because we're speaking about German. Um, <laughs> but, and your podcast, I know, is in English because I, I, we were just talking about one that I really enjoyed that just was never crossed my mind before. Um, but so those are wonderful things. But yeah, what are you working on? And then how do our how do people get a hold of you or find you? Is it just social media, email, website? So you can find me on on Facebook, Thirteen Hour Life Coach. I'm working on my second book. I've got actually three more books planned. Oh my gosh. Okay. Because uh, it is a constant development and that's, that's what you can't really get with all the, with many books these days is an update, an update. And that's why I do the podcast and then I write the books and then I re revisit everything. Wonderful. I have got something I'm working on and I will, um, it's going to come out soon and, it, and it's going to revolutionize ADHD. So if they follow you on Facebook, that's how they'll get notification. If okay. they follow me on Facebook, okay. within the next month, something's going to come out that's absolutely going to revolutionize ADHD for everyone. And we really, really need it. Uh, so watch this space. Season four, I'm doing a French version. Oh. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Um, wow. So... Um, the podcast is in German and English, of course, mostly mostly English. But I'm going I'm going into French for one one episode for season four. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm just continuously working on reaching more people with ADHD and just trying to make more people aware of what we're going through and and living a successful life with it. Really, right. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for doing that for adults and for the, giving me this information for kids and back to school because I feel like the earlier and younger we can start to help and support and focus, the easier their lives are going to be. And um, and whatever parent wants, parent wants that for their child. I mean, no ch parent wants their child to struggle. And if that just means you educate yourself as a parent right now before you go into work, the deep work with your child, that's a starting point. So I, I appreciate that you're out there sharing that knowledge and that information and resources for parents or adults really thank you <laughs> thank you
Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty-gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey.